This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. With an early start every Friday, good evening. I am Tabison Musia and Liolom Kalip is producing with Sylvester Komane in technical tonight. As we always do on a Friday, we catch up with our sporting stars of yesteryear, people who've made an impact in our lives and on the country through sport. Sometimes we look back at historic moments in South African sport and tonight's guest is actually still active. Believe it or not, I was shocked to find out, to find that out and that he's in action tomorrow at the Vodacom Deb in July and in the spirit of the July and horse racing uh, tonight on SAFM Sport On, we celebrate legendary uh, horse racing jockey Piers Tradom, a man with over 5,000 winners, arguably South Africa's greatest jockey of all time, and he's on the saddle again tomorrow at the Devon July, as I've mentioned. We'll also look ahead to the Tour de France, which gets underway tomorrow. We'll be joined by the voice of cycling himself, Phil Liggett, and we'll also take a closer look at our African team, Team Dimension Data, for Quebec's expectations uh, with Mac Cavendish, of course, in that team. But before all of that, let's get the latest from the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia where France took on Uruguay in the first quarter final and watching the match for us was Mo Ali. Good evening Mo, take us through that one. Good evening, Tavisa. Yes, in the end it was uh, quite a comfortable 2-0 victory uh, for Le Bleu of France and uh, they look like uh, they could be on their way to a uh, second final since the 1998 when they won the tournament. They certainly are through to their second semi-final since uh, 2006. It was uh, a 40th minute header. It looked like a very well rehearsed and well worked free kick by the uh, French Griezmann playing the ball into the uh, danger zone and uh, Raphael Varane uh, stealing in front of uh, the uh, defender, Chris and uh, putting the ball into the back of the net uh, four minutes before halftime to give uh, France a 1-0 lead and then in the 61st minute who wants to be a goalkeeper thankless task you make all the good saves nobody talks about it you make one big mistake and that's what uh, Francis Muslera did and uh, Fernando Muslera rather and uh, the uh, it seemed like an innocuous shot from uh, Antoine Griezmann from outside the penalty area all Muslera had to do was to uh, just uh, get his body behind it which he did but the ball went through his hands as he tried to parry it uh, reminiscent of uh, Loris Karius's mistake in the uh, Champions League final for Liverpool and uh, that was it after uh, an hour in the, in the game uh, 2-0 to uh, France and uh, it was a very good save as well just before that from Hugo Lloris from a header from Martin Kacheres uh, diving full length and uh, putting the ball behind for a goal kick that could have changed the course of the game but uh, in the end very comfortable Uruguay clearly missing the uh, presence of Edison Cavani up front along Hugo Su- uh, uh, Luis Suarez up front for the Uruguayans. So France through to the semi-final and now they await the winners of this evening's game between uh, Brazil and Belgium. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Mo Ali. From the World Cup in Russia to the Wimbledon Championships and that's where we find Simon Campus with the latest from the day's action. Good evening, Simon. Over to you. Oh no, we seem to have lost Simon Campus there. Let's try and get him again on the line quickly. Uh, it was a good day for South Africa, of course, with Kevin Anderson advancing to the fourth round. He was playing against Philip Kohlschreiber in the third round, the German there, and Kevin Anderson winning in straight sets against uh, Philip Kohlschreiber to advance uh, to the last 16 of the Wimbledon Championships. I wanted to find out what else has happened on the day. I know that Serena Williams is, in court as, is on court as we speak, as well as uh, her sister Venus Williams, also in action uh, today in the round of 32 at the Wimbledon Championships and we do have Simon Campus back with us on the line. Good evening Simon, what's happened so far today? 
Yeah, thank you for joining as well. He's just joined me as Venus Williams is out. The five-time champion has been beaten in three sets by Kiki Burton of the Netherlands. 8-6 in the third set. Really great match. Burton served for it in the second set. Venus battled hard, but in the end, the 20th seed from the Holland took out the five-time champion. So another seed goes down the pan here at Wimbledon and what's been a sort of carnage of seeds over the first week. Tenth seed Madison Keys also beaten by Evgenia Rodina of Russia in uh, earlier in the, one of the first matches of the day. We've had good wins for Gail Malfeet on the men's side. He took out Sam Query and of course the big one from a South African point of view, Kevin Anderson. Very impressive straight sets win over Philip Kohlschreiber very early on. First match on court number two, six three seven five seven five. He was very pleased with that performance. He's into the fourth round and that's where he will play Gail Monfils. On court right now, Serena Williams is a set-up on Christina Mladenovic. They're in the closing stage of the second set. Serena trying to close it out. Still to come, Roger Federer. Great stuff. Thank you very much, uh, Simon Campus, watching the action for us at the Wimbledon Championships. Up next, we look ahead to the Tour de France and we're joined on the line uh, by Mr. Phil Liggett. The first cuts have been made in the audition rounds. Now, watch the final cut to see which guy and girl survived the different elimination rounds to ultimately feature on an SABC drama. There is melodrama, victory, failure, tension and a lot of emotions. Remember to watch Mondays at 7.30pm from the 26th of June, SABC3. The stage is yours. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. And we are talking cycling now, looking ahead to the start of the Tour de France. And our guest is none other than the legendary Mr. Phil Leggett, widely known as the voice of cycling. Mr. Phil Leggett, good evening, sir, and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM in South Africa. It's very nice to speak to you uh, from the start of the Tour de France. Thank you, sir. Can you please just firstly take us through the route? Many have said it's one of the most testing Tour de France routes in living memory. Do you agree with this view? Yes, uh, some of the say Mark Cavendish, for example, is riding his 12th Tour de France for Team Dimension Data, which is the African World Tour team. Mm. And he said it's the toughest route he's ever ridden or ever started in. We start tomorrow. And we have a 200-kilometer opening stage. We're in, a, we're in the west of France for about four days, and then we gradually make our way across northern France uh, towards the Belgian borders. And that's the first nine days of the race. Now, those first nine days are quite dangerous. We get high winds. We get cobbled roads. We have time trials where the riders race against the watch rather than the riders. And it's going to be difficult for the men thinking of winning the Tour de France by the time we get back to Paris uh, in three weeks' time. And uh, but the part they've got to watch is they don't lose time on these stages because the riders who dream of winning the Tour de France make the time in the high mountains. So after nine days of racing on these flatter roads, we go down towards the Alps, which is the first big mountain chain. Then we go across the bottom of France, the Pyrenees, and then we make our way back up to Paris. So the riders who are thinking of winning the Tour de France, they won't win it in the first nine days but they could lose it. So they've got to be very careful and then put their attacks in in the last 10 days of the race. Mm. Now let's get the big elephant in the room out the way, Mr. Phil Liggett. Chris Froome cleared of the doping allegations. It had dominated the headlines in the build-up, depending on which side of the fence you're on, of course. Do you expect this dark cloud to go away over the next couple of weeks? 
Well, it certainly should, in my opinion. There's no question in my book that Chris Froome is a cheat. He's the most honest person you'll ever meet, as you probably know. He's educated in Johannesburg. Um, although he races on a British license, his heart is very much African. And he, uh, he's been proven by the experts not to have abused the doping system. And salbutamol, which is a, it's in part of his inhaler because he does suffer quite badly from asthma, um, it's now been proved that possibly it was a case of dehydration. Uh, the scientists themselves are saying they could have made a mistake. Uh, but the fact is, his reputation has been tarnished. And he was booed last night at the presentation, not by the whole audience, but by a small pocket of people. And we don't want to see that. Chris Froome is one of the world's greatest athletes. There's no question of this. He's here to try and win the Tour de France for the fifth time. He's also trying to become only the second man in the world uh, to win the last four Grand Tours. He won, he won the Tour de France last year, won the Tour of Spain uh, when all this problem started last September. He won the Tour of Italy uh, just uh, six or eight weeks ago. And if he wins the Tour de France, he'll be the first guy since Eddie Merckx, the great Belgian cyclist, to get four Grand Tours in a row. And he'll join, of course, the famous Five Club, uh, having won the Tour five times. And Chris is now free to race, uh, and I really hope he races to the best ability and he shows all the, particularly the cycling press, who are really taking a very hard line, uh, um, announcing themselves as judge and jury, which they're certainly not. Mm, and I was about to ask, how do you make of how it was handled? On Sunday, there were reports that he could be barred from participating. The following day, it was announced that he was, he was cleared. Uh, what do you make of the timing and just how it was handled? Yes, well, that, that is a, it's a bit of subfuge there, I'm afraid. I, I really, I, I read a, more, a morning story in the Times on Monday, and there hadn't been announced then that Chris was off the hook. Uh, and all of us, this writer, who wrote a very balanced piece, was suggesting that very soon, possibly even today, it will be announced that he's in the clear. Now, I just wonder how the writer knew that. Because within minutes, it, it was announced he was in the clear. So that, that newspaper story virtually out of date uh, on the morning of publication. So one doesn't know. Because originally, uh, this, um, uh, anti, uh, this analytical finding, which is what they call it, uh, should never have come to the public eye. The story was leaked. Now, how was it leaked? It could only be a leak from three sources. The World Body, from the Anti-Doping Association, uh, WADA, or from the team itself, and I doubt it was the team itself, and WADA have denied uh, that uh, ever leaking the story, that leaves the UCI. So one does not know how it even got into the public domain. This was a case which was not a positive doping test, it was a strange finding, should never have been discussed in public. It should have been cleared or announced as a penalty uh, whenever the decision had been made. So uh, your guess is as good as mine, but it's, it's not been handled well by anybody. As you mentioned, he's gunning for a record fifth title, Chris Froome. How is his team this year, Team Sky? Does he have good support? Yes, he's got a great team. There's no question about that. They have a new young Colombian rider, the youngest rider in the race, at just uh, 21 and three-quarter years old, and he climbs like an angel. Uh, he's coming to the Tour de France. He has a big, a big support uh, to Chris in the mountains. They've got Geraint Thomas, who uh, is also uh, just won a major race in France, on over roads similar to the Tour de France. He'll support him as well. So it's a good team. Uh, they've got to keep Chris very safe. He's not a great bike handler on these narrow bad roads in the opening nine days. Uh, let him loose in the mountains. He's one of the finest descenders in the world. 
And, you know, these guys on bikes go down these mountains at over 100 kilometers an hour. Uh, you've got to be skillful to survive the hairpin bends and the bad roads and the heavy rain, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I would like to think that he's probably got the best team on his side, but there are rivals, there's no question. Yeah. And this is, uh, I think, being billed as one of the best tours for the final victory. I could name six riders, and I believe any one of these six could win the Tour de France. But for me, Froome starts favourite. Let's look at the other contenders for the main prize, the Colombian Naro Quintana, finishing outside the podium last year. Does he have something to prove in 2018? Yeah, and I like Nairo Quintana. He's a, he's a pocket rocket. He's a small guy. He's a brilliant, brilliant climber. And he's got a very strong Spanish team behind him who have two other candidates, if Nairo makes a mistake, could also win. Uh, like Michael Lander, who used to race on the side of Chris Froome, he switched teams. Uh, he could actually win this tour, and he wants a crack here. Alejandro Valverde, who's been uh, very close to the podium, and he's having a brilliant season. Things go wrong with Quintana. They may have to take over the lead role of the team. Uh, so, yes, you're right. And Tom de Moulin, who won last year the Tour of Italy, uh, he's coming to the Tour de France again. He crashed out last year in the Tour de France towards the end. Uh, he's a very strong rider. And, and he wants a really good Tour de France. He finished second to Froome just uh, five or six weeks ago in the Giro d'Italia, the Tour of Italy. There are people here who can win this tour, and I think there are even surprise names that could succeed. It's a lottery, you see, these first nine days of the tour, and the big team leaders will just want to make sure they don't lose time against their fellow rivals because they can't afford to go down to the first round of mountains in the Alps uh, two or three minutes behind someone of real note. Mm. What about the Australian Richie Porter there, especially after his win on the Tour de Suisse? Is this his last chance to have a go for the title? Yes, he's another man that knows Chris Room. Chris Room's a personal friend of his. Richie raced alongside him as his wingman for a couple of Tour victories. Uh, now he's broken out on his own. The one intention was to ride and win the Tour de France for himself. Last year he crashed out spectacularly, yeah. and he was lucky to even ride a bike again, but he's refound his form, as you say. He's the Tour of Switzerland now. He, uh, he keeps talking it up. He says his, his own quote yesterday was, I just hope Chris Froome is tired from his victory in the Giro d'Italia, and I hope he doesn't recover. Um, strong words, because they really are off the bike. They are friends. Uh, Chris used to uh, go and stay with him in Tasmania, which is uh, down in uh, South, South Australia there. And he, uh, no, I think um, it's going to be a head-to-head battle. Friends or rivals, once you go on the bike, you become great sporting rivals. And Chris Froome, I always call him a Jekyll and Hyde character. Off the bike, he is meek and mild. He handles himself very well, as he's done through all of this salbutamol uh, doping charge. And But put him on the bike, his complete comportment changes, and he turns into being an incredible competitor. And his fellow rivals know just that. And finally, what are the expectations for our team, African team, Team Dimension Data for Kubeka? What are you expecting and how are they viewed on the tour? Oh, viewed, they're highly respected. Now, when they came some years ago, when they were sponsored by MTN, uh, it was a beginning for them and they had some great results. They won stages. Now Dimension Data has taken over the team. They still uh, get the bicycles for the people of South Africa from Quebec, yeah. and And uh, it is a very mixed team. It's a team with two South Africans on it. Jay Thompson is getting his first ride in the Tour de France. And when told he was going to the Tour de France, 
they thought the line had gone because he was crying. He couldn't believe he'd been selected to ride the Tour de France. And uh, Rainy Janser von Rensberg is the other rider, a very solid man that will look after people like Mark Cavendish, the British rider who's won 30 stages of the Tour de France. Four more, he joined Eddie Merckx at the top of the list of daily stage wins. Mark is hoping he can do something like that this year. The team will support him. They've got Edward Boysenhagen again has won stages for them from Norway. Eddie never lets the side down. It's a solid, solid team of Belgians, Norwegians, Australians. There's eight riders on the squad. They come together as one when they ride the Tour de France. We'll be talking about them, believe me. Great stuff, Mr. Phil Leggett. Leggett, an honor to talk to you, sir, the voice of cycling. Thank you very much once again. We appreciate you finding time to speak to us on SAFM in South Africa. Thank you. In our business, we don't just do it for money. We do it to expand from a franchise to an enterprise. We don't just do it for money, but we need money to grow. NetBank's whole view business banking approach ensures that the best banking options are matched to your business needs. A dedicated team of experts take a bird's eye view to gain a deeper understanding of your business and tailor the right financial solutions, be it financing, transacting or investing, to position your business for growth. Partner with us today and take your business to the next level. We're an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. See money differently. NetBank. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Someone on Twitter, Mkulisi Nene, saying that guy, Phil Liggett, makes every last 10 kilometers worth watching. I even download some of, of his clips. A legend indeed, uh, the voice of cycling, Phil Liggett. Let's now find out uh, about the expectations and the preparations of Team Dimension Data for Kubega. And we joined on the line by Ajan Smith, who is over there. He's now the team manager. Is it Ajan Smith for Team Dimension Data for Kubega? Good evening. Thank you for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Tabitha. Thank you very much. Good evening to you and to your listeners. Thanks for having us. Firstly, I've been following you on social media, um, some of the tweets. How's the vibe that side? How have the past few days been leading up to the start of the race tomorrow? Yeah, thank you. It's, it's been absolutely incredible. I think for for myself, uh, within the communications department, certainly these are possibly our, our busiest couple of days. Um, it's been uh, exceptionally busy. Yesterday we had our, our team press conference. Uh, I heard Phil Liggett on there. It was an absolute legend. It's great to have um, him on board with one of our partners, Niederberg, as well. But it, it's been really, really busy. Our team hotel, um, uh, in the tour, in the, you, you always share hotels with the other teams as well, which is next door to the Vondes Pass, which is uh, where all the kind of uh, the, the, the meat and, and uh and vegetables, I suppose you could call it, of, of the event uh, take place uh, here at the Grand Depart. And uh, that was really busy yesterday, big media hype uh, as well. And then last night we had the team presentation, uh, which was, was absolutely superb. Uh, it was a little bit rainy, but that certainly didn't dampen uh, the spirits. And it was amazing to see our African team up on that stage there. Uh, Mark Cavendish, as Phil mentioned, yeah. um, with that incredible... Uh, run with his, uh, of, of stage victories and, and to see them up there certainly was a very proud moment. So the, the, the emotions are high. The nervous tension, I suppose, is, is pretty high within the team as well uh, with that expectation. But we're very excited to be here to the start of the race. I've read some of the previews and the team has said that the first three stages are crucial and you think you can even wear the yellow jersey. What makes you so confident? <laughs> 
well, we've got uh, one of the world's uh, greatest sprinters ever in our team, mm. um, to be to be perfectly honest. Um, and we have built our selection around uh, Mark this year, Mark Cavendish, that is, of yep. course. And uh, as Phil highlighted there, the, the way the race is set up this year is that for, for the sprinters, and uh, believe you me, there's a very... Uh, probably the, the the widest field of quality sprinters in many a year are at this race. But um, the confidence, I suppose, comes from the fact that uh, around Mark, we built um, a very good uh, sprint lead-out uh, train, uh, the likes of Mark Renshaw, Edward Rosenhagen, and Jens van Rensburg, and some good protection uh, from uh, Julien Vermont and Serge Pavels as well, and then Jay Thompson making his debut, and then Tom Yelta Slachter, who... We'll probably feature a little bit more later in the race, but, but he's a, a rider from the Netherlands with a lot of talent. So when you talk about confidence, that comes from um, experience. We've got a lot of uh, Tour de France uh, guys that have ridden, uh, riders rather, that have ridden this race before, and, and I think that that kind of builds into that. And, um, you know, winning breeds confidence, I suppose, and not a natural state of mind. So we need to start, start hard, start fast. Um, if you win the yellow jersey early on, then uh, effectively you can take that through to the team time trial in stage three. And what a moment that would be mm. if we go off last as a team in the yellow jersey in stage three. And how's Mark feeling? He's had a few crashes this year, but he's bounced back strongly in May. How is he ahead of the race? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with him over the course of the last day or two, and we've actually just finished up our final media commitments with him here at the hotel. Um, he's, a, he's an interesting character. You know, he's a he's a... A sprinter, um, be it cycling, be it athletics, you know, they, they're all uh, characters and they're all, they're all winners at heart. And uh, you mentioned the crashes this year. He, he'll he be quick to point out that, that uh, he's had two crashes this year that are both pretty spectacular, but actually in terms of being a bike rider, many more riders have crashed more often this year. So he's uh, he's not too phased by that, to be honest. And uh, he is, uh, confidence is pretty high. He's renowned for his, um, not only his road pace, but his, his depth and uh, knowledge of the course, certainly. Having ridden this race uh, four times, really, he's, he knows it pretty well. And uh, I was sitting with him last night, and we went through every single stage of this tour, from stage 1 to stage 20, 21 through the road book. And he almost knew every single turn. So I think confidence uh, within him is pretty high. Within the staff, it's pretty high. And in the riding staff, it's pretty high. But, you know, uh, <laughs> come the end of the stage tomorrow, we'll know exactly how... How we placed, I suppose. Mm, there's been a lot of talk about Mark targeting Eddie Max 34 stage wins record. I think it's four short. Are you publicly going for it? Yeah, look, I think that um, we we are. Uh, Mark has spoken about the fact that within his career, that is certainly a target now that that is with, is within grasp. Um, you know, to win one stage on a tour for any rider is a huge achievement. So to go for four or five. Uh, this year would be an amazing achievement. So we are going for it. If we get it this year, that would be an incredible feat. Uh, but I think to manage expectations, you know, uh, at 33, uh, he certainly is a sprinter and has got many more years ahead of him. So I think during the course of his career, that's definitely an achievable target. But uh, this year, that would be, like I said, an incredible feat. Let's see how we go. Well, we wish you all the best, Jan Smith from uh, the Communications Department of Team Dimension Data for Quebec. I thank you very much and keep us updated on social media. We're seeing the wonderful work that you are doing there at the tour. And just finally, I mean, how much does this mean for you, as Jan, to be involved now? I know you were there last year, you were a reporter, but now you are fully part of the team. What does it mean for you? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, like you said, I was here as a reporter last year. And it, it really changed my perception in terms of what this team does 
um, not just for the Kubeka charity and, and uh, spreading the name of South Africa on a global scale, but, but also for South Africans to realize what it is to have a team representing the whole continent um, at this level. Uh, to see the scale of this event, I mean, we sort of figured that 2 billion television viewers are viewed in 190 countries. This is you know, one of the top three or four sporting events, and it's an annual event uh, in the world. You've seen the Football World Cup happening at the moment. You know, it's almost at that kind of level. And I think for me personally, to see a diverse group that are all so behind and so intrinsically um, behind what this, what this team stands for, despite where they come from, is, is really, really important. So I'm really having the experience so far. There's, as, as you would know, having worked on the ground as well, there's always a lot of pressure around these things, and it's been interesting to step across that divide, uh, but it's something we've really enjoyed at the moment, and, uh, and we really do enjoy and, and appreciate uh, not only the fans' reception that we get, but also the support that we get in the media. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jean. All the best once again. And you can follow him on social media there, Jean Smith, J-E-A-N-S-M-Y-T. H and also uh, Team Dimension Data for Kubeka at Team Di D I D A T A for all the latest from the Tour de France. Up next, we'll speak to the legendary jockey Pierre Stradom ahead of the Devon Vodacom Devon July, and we'll also look ahead quickly to this weekend's Super Rugby action as well as the F1. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, before we speak to Pierre Stradom, let's take a quick look at the Super Rugby action this weekend. There was um, a, a good a win for the Reds over the Rebels earlier today, which was good news uh, for the Sharks. It means that uh, they need uh, to beat the Stormers in Cape Town tomorrow uh, to leapfrog into 8th place. That's the final quarterfinal uh, spot for the playoffs. And uh, we spoke earlier on to our rugby expert, Craig Ray, to find out if they can capitalize from this one, the Sharks, after this uh, win that's given them a boost the Reds beating the Rebels 37-23. Well, they have to, don't they? Because the Rebels now losing that game has really opened the door for the Sharks to secure their top eight place. But they've got to do their bit of it and uh, keep winning. Uh, I suppose it, it does give them a little bit of leeway. They could maybe come away from Newlands with two losing bonus points and still have a shot. But, you know, they don't want to go down that road. They now know that, you know, keep winning and they'll be in the top eight. And before this results, I mean, I mean, how did you see that game going between the Stormers and the Sharks? Look, you know, every week you look at the Stormers team and you think it's a good team on paper and they should do well. The only place they've won this year is at home, so you've got to think that all five wins coming at home, they've got a fair chance. Plus, they've got a very good pack out there this week. They are missing Sierra Khaleesi, but, you know, they've got Yano Augustus, the World Under-20 uh, Player of the Year last year. He's back on the bench. J.D. Schickling's back on the bench. You know, but. All those Springbok front rowers, Bongi and Benambi's back in the starting lineup. Francois Habs there, Stephen Kutsop on the bench, Wilka Lowe on the bench. You know, so it's a, it's a good looking pack of forwards. The Sharks without Jean-Luc Duplessis, a bit of a blow for them in terms of the physicality stakes. Um, I think the Stormers might win it, and, uh, that's going to put a dent in the Sharks' uh, ambitions. And I think it's, you know, often the case with South African derbies, we don't do each other any favours. And obviously, from a South African point of view, you'd want the Stormers to lose so that the Sharks have a chance. But I, I somehow don't think it's going to go that way. Mm. And then the Bulls playing their last home games against the Jaguarez. Uh, the Jaguarez in some uh, good form, also winning the last two of their three matches against the Bulls. But can the Bulls end off with a bang at, at, at Loftus? Tough one for the Bulls, but they're going to have to. I mean, the Jaguarez, as you say, they've got confidence, haven't they? They've got momentum. They've won seven in a row in this tournament. Um, so they really are on a roll. And I'm sure the Jaguarez will you know, win or lose this. I think they'll stay in the top 
uh, eight, so they'll be okay. But they, they certainly want to just keep that momentum going into the playoffs. But for the Bills, it's also desperate for you know John Mitchell between the Stormers and the Bills, uh, and, and even the Sharks if the Stormers win. They're coming into a bit of a race for the wooden spoon. So no, the Sharks are out of it. Excuse me. So yeah, the Stormers and the Bulls fighting for the wooden spoon there. So a bit of pride at stake, and I think the Bulls will be very desperate for a win. That's Craig Gray talking about talking to us about this weekend Super Rugby action involving the South African teams. And let's look ahead now to the British Grand Prix. We spoke to Natalie Leclou before the show. There was practice today, and she told, she tells us what happened and what to look forward to this weekend. It's the final part of Formula One's first ever triple header, and there's hardly a better place for it than the spectacular Silverstone circuit. As it stands, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel today headed the practice sessions respectively, as the two championship protagonists look set to go head-to-head once more this weekend. Racebase suggested that Sunday could be close between Ferrari and Mercedes, but the only thing we know for sure is that at this stage there is a 0% chance of rain for the remainder of the Grand Prix weekend. Lewis Hamilton, normally imperious around these parts, goes for his sixth home Grand Prix victory at a circuit where Mercedes hasn't been beaten since 2012. It's a tall order then for Ferrari and Red Bull. The first important hurdle will be qualifying, which takes place tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. SA time and it's lights out at 10, lights out at 10 past 3 on race day for what is sure to be an absorbing British Grand Prix. The first cuts have been made in the audition rounds. Now, watch the final cut to see which guy and girl survived the different elimination rounds to ultimately feature on an SABC drama. There is melodrama, victory, failure, tension and a lot of emotions. Remember to watch Mondays at 7.30pm from the 26th of June. SABC3. The stage is yours. Watch EFC every Sunday on SABC3. A highly anticipated title fight takes place on 11 August at Grand West in Cape Town when Las Vegas star Dave Mazzani takes on a hard-hitting champion, Martin Van Staden. This weekend, we look back to when Van Staden went to war with Kaleka Kabanda. Plus, relive the epic female title fight between Elisoff and Penko. EFC every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. Hashtag SAFM Sport On and now, yes, we're still leading the conversation, of course, but now let's speak to our guest on Flashback Friday, arguably the country's greatest ever jockey, Pierre Stratum, a man who has made so many people rich and so many people happy. With over 5,000 wins, he joins us on the line. Striker, good evening, sir, and thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Talisa. Striker, you're still going strong. You're riding tomorrow. Tell us about the horse Abashiri. Yeah, it's obviously nice to be part of the... the Living July story, um, I'm riding Abashiri. Uh, he, you know, in his early days, he was a really top horse, and then his, uh, his career took a bit of a, a dip. But uh, it looks like he's coming back to himself. We are drawn one. He's not a very good starter, so hopefully you're not going to get uh, too much scr- uh, scrummage in the early part. But, uh, you know, he's a good horse, and uh, any, any horse can win on the, on the day. Mm. And what are the expectations? Obviously, you're a former winner of the uh, July more than once. What are the expectations this year and on Abashiri? Well, Tadisha, um, a lot of people, because I'm riding the horse, <laughs> I think the horse is going to win. <laughs> uh, naturally, I'm going to be trying the hardest. Uh, myself and a couple of jockeys, uh, we hold uh, the equal number of, of, of most wins in the July. So I'd love to um, 
you know, be the most winningest jockey. And um, look, the horse is 12 to 1 at the moment. Mm. And, um, you know, over maybe by tomorrow, you'll be a little bit shorter uh, in, on. on um, but, uh, you know, we'll be trying our hardest. Hopefully, you need a, a big field. The field is so big, and it's a very short track, short track. You definitely need a lot of luck. Mm. Educators here, yeah, Striker, how does it work? How do you get paired with the horse? Uh, the, do you get approached? Do you approach the trainers? Uh, how does it work? Uh, Michael Azzi trains the horse with his son, Adam Azzi. And um, a, a friend of an advocate, um, which, uh, he wants to horse. He owns a, 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 a share in the horse. And uh, I to the trainer, Michael and Adam Azzi. And... Um, I sort of, you know, you throw a hint, and uh, they, they seem very keen for me to get on a horse. There were one or two other horses I was uh, also um, uh, going to You know, uh, sometimes that's just the way racing works out. You get on the right horse, or sometimes you uh, take one ride and another horse mm-hmm. couldn't. Um, but, you know, connections, and um, I just hope to make my friend happy. <laughs> and when the horse doesn't do well, who gets blamed? Is it you? Does the horse take the blame? Or is it always oh, the jockey's fault? Oh, I get horse once we get the honor and glory. If we get beat well, we, we're the ones who get the short end of it. <laughs> now, where do you think the danger will come from tomorrow in the main race? A lot's been said about African Sky, the favorite was 5-2 to two the last time I checked. Yeah, you know, I don't want to sound boring. Uh, because African Night Sky is the favourite, but if you if you look at form and study the form, he's definitely got the strongest form, and uh, he's a horse that came from Stone Lodge last time, and he was able to beat to beat them, uh, and I think he, he's, he's the type of horse who could do it again. His acceleration is very good. Mm. And Striker, how many more Vodacom Deben Julys do you still have in you? Uh, three more, so I'm hoping to try <laughs> another one before retirement. Um, yeah, I mean, it's no race like the July. Yeah. Uh, it's Africa. Um, yeah, just you know, the whole country talks about the July, and uh, it's just nice to be part of it. So, okay. Well, for those who have just joined us, we're talking to legendary jockey Pierre Stradom Striker. As we always do on a Friday, we speak to uh, sporting stars of yesteryears or current or, or legends that are still active, or we look back at iconic moments in South African sport. And with the spirit of the Devon July, uh, which is happening tomorrow, we thought we should get in touch with uh, Pierre Stradom and just give him the respect that he deserves and highlights uh, and highlight what is done over the years and is still going on strong. And after this quick break, we're just going to talk about his journey and about his uh, career. If you want to join the conversation at any time if you're one of those that's been made happy by P.S. Stradom, uh, please feel free to call us on 0891 our SMS line is 40938 our WhatsApp number 061 call Tabiso now 0891 we're still talking to P.S. Stradom now Striker when you started all those years ago I mean did you imagine that you would come this far with horse racing I've mentioned that you've got over 5,000 wins no definitely not uh, you know I started off uh, being scared of, of, of horses <laughs> uh, but my father made me become a jockey so I suppose I have to thank him because it's been a, quite a successful career um, but you know I, I've always been realistic uh I, I don't think I'm going to become champion jockey. I'm, I'll, I'll work towards, towards it, and hopefully one day I'll become a champion jockey. 
And I slowly made small little goals, and I achieved every little goal I set myself. And, um, well, eventually I got to, to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's been hard work through the years, but, uh, you know, those who don't uh, put in hard work don't get there. You spoke about your father. You come from a very well-known racing family. Just tell us about your family's involvement in racing. My father, uh, Johan uh, Aki Stradum, uh, he's still a trainer in Port Elizabeth. Yeah. And I have a brother, Jacques Stradum, that's also a trainer in Port Elizabeth. So uh, I've come, I came from Port Elizabeth as well. Mm. And, um, and, and every now and again, I'll, I'll ride down and pee and obviously uh, try and get one or two of their rides. Hopefully the good ones. <laughs> and, and what are some of your career highlights as striker for yourself personally? I would say, you know, riding 5,000 winners is a, uh, is a highlight because uh, no one in South Africa has ever done it. Um, also winning the July four times, uh, winning the South African Jockeys Championship five, uh, six times, sorry, and then also winning one of the, the biggest sprints in, in the world in Hong Kong. And it was called mm-hmm. JJ the Jet Plane. For a friend of mine, uh, Kuni Stratum, uh, and, and his, and his uh, partners. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say those are the, the main ones. Mm. Do you have any disappointments, any low lights during this journey? Oh, many, many. Uh, you know, you get beat and uh, or your career takes a dip. Um, uh, you know, it's never a nice thing. Um, but uh, falls, many falls, <laughs> um, suspensions, sometimes. The yeah. Obviously, the ones that you feel you, you didn't deserve it and you suspend it, those are, are really low lights. We've touched numerous times on the 5,000 wins. Is this the record that you had even targeted? Were you aware of it? Were you keeping track of it? Uh, funny enough, I, I didn't even take uh, notice of it, really. I was just riding and when a, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Barry Rickford, uh he brought it up to me when I had less than, um, less than 100. And he, he mentioned to me, you got... 80 or something to go for 5,000 and I was, I was sort of surprised myself because I didn't take note of it and uh, so it became quite a, um, a big thing because in South Africa um, we don't race as much as the rest of the world. I mean, mm-hmm. America for instance, um, they've got five of the top uh, 5,000 winning jockeys because mm-hmm. they race every single day of the day, uh, of the week and sometimes twice a day. So our number of horses, or we, it just doesn't compare to America, for instance. So they've got the, uh, the most winningest jockey, and then obviously um, are coming to that. Uh, the, I think it's the top seven myself, hmm. and then um, a guy called Damien Oliver from Australia. So uh, obviously you've got to, you know, ride winner after winner every single season. You can't have a um, many bad seasons uh, Otherwise it's just not possible <laughs> I'm going to go to the live show Lee Scully in Deben is holding on But what are you on now? Because that 5,000 was a couple of years ago Are you still counting? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't think I'll ever get to 6,000 I think <laughs> I'll be retired by then So uh, I think it's about 5,200 something Or 300 uh, um, So I'm not re- really keeping tabs on it But if, if, hopefully it's a pro- I'll get surprised one day that is incredible. Let's go to the line, Scully, in Devon. Thank you very much for holding on. Striker is on the line. What's your view, comment, or question? Thank you for taking my call, uh, Tavisa, to you. And I'm very honored speaking. Hello to Piri Stridum, the legend. Thank you, Scully. Uh, okay, sir. I am uh, part-time Pante, retired now. And um, at the moment, I can't see the fields because my... I, you know, according to, um, 
I just have to know that 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 Sir is Shridham is uh, whatever is riding on the field, and I just place my bet on that on him. I I'd rather back him than the horse when he's uh, you know on the on the field. Like right? uh, every 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 horse that he rides, I I rather back here you know Peter Shridham on the things. And uh, thank you for being there. I just want to know what for tomorrow's. You can give us. Uh, okay, uh, striker. He wants to know again who you're riding tomorrow. What are the odds? What are your chances? Just remind him. All right. Um, I think most of my rides tomorrow can run places. Uh, I don't think they can win, but you know, with a bit of luck, um, uh, you know, maybe we can get a winner. So also, just follow me through the whole meeting. I've got seven rides, uh-huh. and uh, also all of them got place chances. There you go, Scully. He's got seven rides uh, throughout the day tomorrow. So follow him right through Squire, um, a striker. And striker, do you get a, do you get people coming up to you, just walking up to you, saying, "Hey, you made me reach," and all of that? And do they even give you something? Are they allowed to give you something when you when you've won a race? Well, police uh, will never say no. But we're not allowed. We're not allowed to because yeah, you got to keep the game straight. Uh, now, I'm talking about people coming to you. I've actually heard uh, someone come up to me uh, saying that they, they want a house. Obviously, mm. probably not a 10 million rand house, but yeah. they want a house by backing uh, one of them also. And I think it was a, a couple of uh, You know, that's very special to know that um, someone can buy a house uh, because they put money on you. Obviously, there's a lot of people that lose money as well, uh, but, uh, you know, I suppose it's their choice which ones they want to back. Well, we've just heard from Scully now saying he just wants to know who you're riding and he's going to back whoever you're riding. Does that put pressure on you? Do you still feel the pressure even at this stage of your career? Um, you, you know, I, I don't feel the pressure, but I feel uh, I, if I don't win, then I'll let, I'm disappointing people because they're obviously following me and, they, and they're backing my horses. Um, what I don't like is unrealistic expectations. Um, I, I'm just going to... Um, Give a comparison. For instance, yeah. tomorrow I'm riding Abyssinia in the July, yeah. and the horse that finished in front of us, uh, Coral Fever, uh, he beat us the last time we met. My horse Abyssinia is 12 to 1, and Coral Fever is 40 to 1. So, the, yeah. well, what I'm saying, I'm trying to say is that unex- the expectations of just because I'm riding a horse, um, that's what I don't like, because mm-hmm. I feel as if uh, I can't beat the other horse. Uh, are letting, I'm letting them down, but it's unrealistic expectations. Mm, well, but you can't blame them with your record over the years. And, and just back to your career now, you spent some time racing overseas. How was that experience? I, I rode in uh, Hong Kong for uh, a couple of seasons. I found Hong Kong um, very tough in, in the sense that, you, you know, the Asian people, are, they believe in good luck and bad luck. Oh. So when you when you good luck you do very well or when you bad luck you do very bad so that that was a bit tough uh, but I loved riding in, in the UK the UK um, they've got top horses uh, different environments all the time and uh, it was just lovely travelling to the whole of the UK and uh, knowing that you are working and you seeing the whole country and are there opportunities there for other jockeys to ride internationally or is it the cream of the crop how does it work in this industry well you normally have to do well somewhere to get in uh, to the rest of the world. Um, obviously, with our rand being weak, uh, a lot of jockeys try and go overseas to, to earn bigger money. 
Um, but not only the money is the factor, the experience that you pick up. Uh, I mean, I've, I rode in South Africa for a number of years. I was champion jockey, and I thought I can't improve my riding because uh, I know it all. And then I went to Hong Kong and the UK, and my riding was just knowledge-wise, not, not your style or your balance, but just knowledge. So I recommend any jockey should travel uh, across the world. It will improve them. And looking at some of the horses that you've you've ridden and you've rode over the years, uh, uh, a striker. Which one is your best horse? I know you've uh, obviously rode the late Jet Master. You've also been on Goldmark. I've actually I read an interview where you said Goldmark was probably the best horse you ever rode. Is that is that the case? Well, uh, Goldmark was a horse that I won't say it was the best I rode, but he had the best action I ever rode. It felt like he was floating. He never touched the ground. You know, he oh. also got four legs and they touched the ground uh, naturally. But this horse didn't feel like um, like he was touching the ground and he, like floated. Uh, but I think the best horse I've ridden must be JJ the Jet Plane, uh, that oh, Hong Kong sprint we won uh, in 2010. Um, I, I, I mean, you, you're not only beating horses in South Africa, you're beating the cream of the crop in some of the, of the top countries of the world. So um, that was uh, probably the, 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 the best horse I've ridden, uh, JJ the Jet Plane. For those who've just joined us, we are talking to P.S. Stridham, the legendary jockey. We're going to wrap up the last 10 minutes or so after this break. If you have any questions or comment, feel free to call us on 891 Our SMS line 40938. Our WhatsApp number 061-4104107. Hey, Tig on 3, your new favorite tween show. For your daily dose of play, creating your exciting objects and some inspiring moments. Myself, Melo and Dante are joined by a host of fun and interesting friends daily. So come on over on our hectic hangout. Hectic on 3 on SABC 3 at 3 daily for the time of your life. It's Friday. So, was your money ready for the world this week? Because just in the last few days, it's seen tax season kick off and tax probes heat up. Revenues down, VAT up, temperatures down, imbezos fired up, corruption knocked mind shares, fuel hit new highs, the rand sank to new lows, and so did a Brazilian footballer. All that, and it's only Friday. So how did your money do? Was it ready? See, today, your tax-free savings either invested with specialists who know what to look for and what to do, or it's simply unprepared. That's why Stanlib has specialists across markets and why more South Africans trust our specialists to protect and make the most of their tax-free savings. Shouldn't you? Speak to your financial advisor or visit stanlib.com forward slash tax-free. Stanlib's an authorized FSP. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. And we're wrapping up our conversation with the striker straight on there. We've got a, a, an SMS here, striker. It says, how does doping work in horse racing? Do you dope the horse to go faster? Does the joke, does the jockey dope? Uh, who gets tested, basically? I think that's what they want to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, us jockeys get tested uh, as well. Uh, I must be honest, I don't know why we can't go faster. We just... Uh, <laughs> Um, I suppose there uh, are times when the jockeys probably had a big party the night before or, uh, you know, recreational drugs. Um, but it can't make us any faster. Um, obviously, horses, uh, in, they get tested uh, continuously and, um, you know, even out of racing. So they are very strict. The jockey club is very strict. And, um, you know, if you get 
if you get caught, well, you're definitely going to get punished. But it's uh, it's not happening. Um, some uh, well, I can say so much. It's just not happening uh, uh, like regularly. Let's put it that way. And and how is the standard of jockeys in in recent times currently? Is the young talent coming through? Are you happy with the standard? You know, uh, there are some really nice riders coming uh, through. I always hear through the years um, people saying, "Oh, you know, aren't jockeys uh, like the past?" And I think that's absolute nonsense because these guys are young and they're still busy making a name for themselves. Uh, I would say guys like uh, Lyle Hewitson, Callan Murray, Ryan Munger, uh, some nice riders, and uh, they've already one or two going overseas, and they can only come back better riders. And you know, if you look back ten years, you'll say, "Wow, you know, these guys are." Uh, are really good riders, but right now they're young. They haven't made a name for themselves yet. Mm. And and what does it take to succeed and compete at the top in the sport? I mean, you've been doing it for over three decades now. You know, um, there's an, I, I can't say there's one particular uh, thing that makes you a good jockey. It's all little things that add up. Um, for instance, good balance, uh, good judgment. Obviously, you have to. Uh, make sure the horse runs at the right speed, which is not always possible. Horses have a mind of their own. And uh, I, I think determination is, is a key thing. You know, a lot of jockeys sort of, oh, I want to be a champion jockey, but they don't put the effort in. And, um, uh, and then also, you've got to have a little bit of a brain. Um, I mean, you've got to know which horses are the right horses. Remember, we all ride horses, and not all horses are equally fast. So the better horse will win most of the time. And if you can get on the better horse most of the time, you're going to ride more winners most of the time. Mm. And Striker, when you eventually call it quits, when you decide to, are you still keen to be involved in the sport? Are you keen to be a trainer? Is it something that interests you? Well, um, I've been approached by Teletech to do a little bit of um, presenting. So I'm thinking of that. And then I've also got a small share in a wine company called One Grape. So I'm advertising mm. One Grape at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, you can do anything you want. You are Pierce Tridum after all. <laughs> Thank you, Tavita. <laughs> so, and, 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 and finally, I mean, would you advise people to take this up as a career? Uh, what is needed? Uh, to make, can you make a living out of it? Uh, as a jockey, um, if you in the top 10, you can make a decent living. Um, but if you go overseas, you can make uh, money and you can put it away. So in South Africa, if you're not in the top 10, you will just be, I'm going to say, ticking over uh, from month to month. And your bottom uh, 20%, those poor guys do the hard work and they don't get paid enough, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you, uh, if you're successful and you manage to get overseas, earning the dollars, um, you can make a, a good living. Finally, I've got one more question on Twitter. They want to know what is the difference between riding on sand and riding on turf? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, on the sand, it sort of doesn't make sense because um, you think the sand, the sand is thicker and it's harder for horses to run out of it because naturally they, the horses go in deeper. And you would think that the horses from behind would come back, would come and make up the ground and, and pass the front horses because they'll get tired. But it's weird how it works. Um, you know, if you run on the beach uh, next to the water, you, you can run fast. But when you go away from the water... When you're near the, the dunes where the sand is loose, have you ever tried to catch someone? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to catch someone. So that's basically how sand works. And another thing is the kickback. If you get all that sand from the horse in front of you eating you in the face, 
sometimes we can't even see where we're going. And I think horses feel the same. They, they just can't catch the horses in front. Well, Pierce Stradom, we really appreciate that you found time to speak to us ahead of you uh, being involved in action tomorrow. We thought we should give you a call, educate the young ones and people probably not familiar with horse racing about your achievements over the years and about your legendary career and to give you the respect that you deserve. So thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Pleasure to be sir. One of our greatest sportsmen there, uh, P.S. Stradom, uh, a legend in the horse racing industry. And if you didn't know, I'm sure now you know. And lots of people enjoying the conversation with P.S. Stradom striker. I'm sure uh, he's probably made you reach out there. And a lot of people who've had uh, winners are through P.S. Stradom. And also people enjoying our conversation with uh, the voice of cycling, of course, Mr. Phil Liggett, with Jack and Albertin saying the sports show is an absolute cut above the rest to interview Phil, the highly knowledgeable cycling comment is so unreal. He's a historian of note too on the iconic landmarks around the route of the tour and the producers and presenters of the show are very competent in what they do. Thank you very much uh, there from Jack in Alberton. That's all the time that we have for good luck to everybody with bets on the Vodacom Deb in July. Come back on Monday. Tell us how you did and to all those going for the festivities. Don't forget there is a small matter of the horse racing that's happening just in case they ask you when you get back to work on Monday how was the Devon July who won it just please make sure that you at least know who won it I'm talking to all my friends who've just gone there for the fun and to be on Florida Road throughout the weekend there in Devon thank you very much to Luyolo Mkalipi thank you to Sylvester Komane in Technical coming up after news Lizette Khan with Off the Pitch between 7 and 9pm and 9 to midnight it's Backtracks with John Gerge rather remember there's still one more match this evening the second quarter final of the FIFA World Cup in Russia it is between Brazil and Belgium with the winner of that match playing against France in the semi-finals. France advancing earlier today uh, with a 2-0 win over Uruguay. Uh, my name is Tabiso Musia. Thank you very much for joining us right here on SAFM. Remember also as we touched on the Tour de France uh, starts tomorrow so looking forward to uh, that one and to seeing uh, how Team Dimension Data for Kubega will do and in Super Rugby action the South African teams in action tomorrow the Bulls against the Jaguars at Loft at 5 past 3 and the big derby Stormers versus the Sharks at Newlands at 5.15 with the Sharks needing to win uh, obviously to leapfrog and go into 8th place after the Reds beat the Rebels by 37 points to 23 earlier today. Thank you very much.